Lord, and I just pray you just do that. And bless my brother Adam. Protect him. Watch over him. We thank you for him. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. 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 You're great. Thank you, Max. I do. love you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, babe. Okay, I want to share with you a few things. Um, We're going to do a brief 3,000-year history of Jerusalem. Creek, creek. So if you guys have Bibles or Bible apps, you might want to get them out. Um, I'm going to just give you a little bit of a fire hose here because there are some significant things that I wanted to share with you, specifically about what's going on today. Um, But how many of you know that, that we don't live in a vacuum and that what is going on today is a result of things that have gone before us and the Lord is moving us towards something glorious? And this statue up over here, the coming king, is a reminder of the glorious hope in the future that is in front of everyone that calls on the name of Jesus. He is coming, and he's not coming to a headless, destroyed bride. He's coming to a redeemed and beautified body. And I don't know how that's all going to happen, except for one way. It's that the people of God move with the Spirit of God to do the things of God on the earth. That's the way this works. This is how it gets done. All the rest are details. And so I just want to share a little bit about the foundation of Jerusalem because today is an historic event. I mean, the the official U.S. government recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, it's a significant thing. Because in 1995, uh, the Congress, the, the, the fresh wave of Congress that came in in 94, in 95, they passed a bill. It was a broad bipartisan bill that went through the House and the Senate, and it was the Jerusalem Embassy Act. And they said that essentially what it did was it used legislative, uh, the, the legislature's power to defund overseas operations of State Department resources unless the executive branch, the president, would move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Because in 1948, 11 minutes after the declaration of statehood by Israel, the United States was the first nation to recognize the statehood. And yet, under significant pressure from, from world governing, governments and governing bodies, the United States never established the seat of power for our nation in the seat of power for Israel. And as, and as a great eagle uh, to Israel, it was significant that we never did that. So Congress passed this law, but in order to get through the Senate, Bob Dole put a rider in there that was an amendment that said that he, he, he and other senators, they felt like um, that that bill was uh, legislative overreach, that the executive branch sets the uh, foreign policy and the Congress doesn't get to tell the executive branch what to do. So they put an amendment in there that said the president could temporarily fund the embassy in Tel Aviv for six months. So starting June 1st and December 1st in 1999, every city city president has signed a waiver to fund a temporary embassy in Tel Aviv. But it has been the U.S. policy since 1995 that our embassy is located in Jerusalem. That's been the U.S. law. So what's happened today is that earth has caught up with heaven. How many of you know that it's true in heaven before it's true on the earth? And it's a rare event that it's true in Congress before it's true in some... That's a rare event. Uh, But that's what happened. 
So Earth caught up with heaven today, and I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on on the Earth in Jerusalem, because I feel like heaven um, has said some things, and the Earth is in a season now. Y'all, we're in a season of Earth catching up to what God says is true, because when He speaks it, it is so. But it takes a little while for us to um, submit sometimes. Sometimes that's the problem, at least in my life. I don't know about you. But I want to tell you real quickly about the foundation of Jerusalem, because that city was not always a city. It was established by a guy named King David. Y'all know this dude, King David? He's my boy. Um, He's a fascinating character. But what happened was that King David, uh, I won't do the whole story, but King David was anointed king, and there was another king in Israel, and there was a number of years before David became the rightful king. And when he became rightful king, there was warring tribes. There was 12 of them, and all of them were fighting for dominance. That's one of the through lines of the scriptures. And so David was from the tribe of Judah, which was the biggest tribe, the strongest tribe, a kingly tribe. And when he was anointed king in a place called Hebron, the first thing he did was that he went to this Jebusite stronghold and he captured the city of Jerusalem. Now, why did he do that? We get one line in the scriptures about this. But in typical biblical fashion, there's a whole lot more than one line. So why does a king who rules or who comes from the tribal affiliation of the most powerful tribe in Israel, why does he take a foreign city as the seat of his government? Well, I believe that, that it's just like what Max said a few moments ago, that this line is about Jesus. It's not about politics. And King David knew that as a member of the tribe of Judah, if he established his governmental seat from that tribe, his tribe would have dominance over the nation. And he was trying to unite the 12 tribes. And so he took the Jebusite stronghold partly because it had no tribal alliance. It had no allegiance anywhere. And he established the justice, the throne, the kingly city in Jerusalem, the city of peace. And so what David did was that he established the kingship, the government. And then the next thing he did, as you'll remember, he brought in the Ark of the Covenant that had been exiled into um, the Philistines. And he brought the Ark in and he set it up in a tent. And this tent was a fascinating thing because this tent that he put it in was totally illegal. Totally illegal under the Mosaic Covenant. There was no inner court. There was no outer court. There was no, there was no divisions. There wasn't sin sacrifice. This was David's tabernacle where the presence of God was accessible 24 hours a day for almost 40 years during David's life. In this place of presence, David gets revelations about Jesus. Psalm 22, quoted by Jesus in two places at the end of his his life. But what happens here is in Jerusalem now, the city that's established by the king to rule a united group of people, there are two altars. There's an altar in Gibeon, where is the old Mosaic covenant, and there's this altar on Mount Zion, which is just the present. So there's two places of worship. And David gets it in his heart, and he wants to build a temple to God. And he gets it in his heart, and he says to the prophet, he says, uh, says, prophet, I want to build a temple for God. I live in this beautiful cedar house, but God lives in a tent. And the prophet says, you're the king, God is with you, do whatever's in your heart. Because if you're the king's prophet, that's what you say, right? (laughs) You're the king, do it. But then he goes home, and he goes to sleep, or that night, the word of the Lord, the real word of the Lord comes to him. And the Lord says, 
David, you can't build my temple. Don't, have I ever wanted to live in a temple? And he asked David this question through the prophet. He says, have I ever one time lived in a temple? I've gone tent to tent with you. Did I ever say to one of the judges, build me a temple? The answer is no. And why is that significant? Because the tabernacle was a picture of God with us. John 1. And the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. What was the temple? The temple was a picture of us with God. So in Exodus, God came and tabernacled among the people and all the people lived among God. With Jesus, the tabernacling of the Spirit of God is within us. But what David wanted to do was to shift some of the mindset of Israel from God in their midst to God in a temple so the people could go to God. Now, I don't have time to develop that all the way throughout the scriptures, but God blessed that, just like he blessed the king, even though he said, don't take kings, I have judges. So this is what's happened in Israel, is that they've gone from tabernacles and judges to kings and temples. They've moved from the place of the presence of God with us to self-rule, to top-down rule, and God's in a temple. And y'all, God blessed that. But how many know that God's heart for self-control, for presence, connection to God never changed, even though humanity said, I'm a little scared of that. I want to put God here, and I want to get my rules here, and if I have God here and my rules here, then I'm okay, because I'm not out here with God in the scary rules. Like, I'm safe. How many of y'all know that wasn't God's... Well, I have to do a whole lot of theology to make that statement. It wasn't his... It wasn't his heart, let's just say that. I'm a teacher, and so I'm like qualifying. I don't have time to qualify everything. It wasn't his heart. But he redeemed all of those things throughout history. And one more thing, and then I'm going to get to the point, because this is all context. Um, David, then, after he gets the word of the Lord, God says, I'm going to build you a house. And he's talking about Jesus. And then David decides, you know what? I'm going to take a census. And in our Western minds, we're like, well, what's wrong with the census, you know? Um, but David tells his commander, Joab, to go through all of Israel and count. And Joab looks at him and he says, king, that is a horrible idea. He's mortified by this. He says, don't do it. And the king says, do it. Well, why? In Exodus 30, when God gives the plans for the tabernacle, he tells him about taking a census for the, for the tabernacle. And he tells them to take a census, but when they take a census, has everybody bring a half shekel piece. And don't count the people, count the money. And every person that comes to give a half shekel gift, it's the rich people and the poor people, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Manasseh. Everybody gives the same gift. What is God doing there? He's leveling the playing field for a bunch of slaves that just spent 400 years in Egypt and saying everybody's equal. Y'all, if you're going to establish the presence of God in your nation, it has to be done by the people. And everyone is equal. The kings can set up the government, but the people have to bring the money and bring themselves to establish the presence. And so David doesn't do that because he wants to build the temple himself. And there's a whole lot of problems with that. But this is what I want to tell y'all. Today, our American government agreed 
with our American government and moved the embassy to Jerusalem. We caught up with heaven. Our kings, our leaders, and I thank God that we have the leader that we do. It was worth all the misery for two years that I went through and many others. But our kings recognized the right of Israel to live in the land. Now guess what? The work is not even close to done. What needs to come now to the land of Israel? The presence of God. Salvation. The Spirit. And how is the Spirit of God, the presence of God, going to come to Israel? It's not going to happen through a decree of the King. It's going to come from y'all who are here tonight praying. It's going to come from those of you that travel there and go and pray prayers of intercession. It's going to come from those of you who sow seed into the land of Israel. It's going to come from those of you that pour out your intercession and your love over the land. And whether Israel, you're all here tonight because Israel is an issue. It's not an issue. It's like God's heart, right? There's other issues, but this is God's heart. And I just want to tell you, and I want to encourage you in your continued support for the nation of Israel. They are not perfect. They have never been perfect. In fact, they had a really hard time when they controlled their own government in the Bible. Every time they had their own kingdom, they got into a lot of trouble. So keep praying for them. But I thank you tonight. And I just want to tell you that as you sow um, your seed, if you sow your seed financially, you're sowing your seed spiritually, that God builds and establishes His presence through the gifts of the people through the gifts of your heart, your worship, your prayers, your affection, most importantly. So I just thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for your continued support of Israel and this prayer garden. And we've got Mr. Anderson here who will go from now.